Hi, Grace family. We're so grateful that we can actually continue to quote unquote meet together, even though we're not together on these Sunday mornings. And we hope that you had a really sweet time on Easter with your family and that God made his presence especially known to you in your homes. I wanna make you aware of an opportunity we have. This Wednesday, we'll be gathering both at 7 a.m. and at noon to pray collectively as a community. And so it will be through Zoom. Uh, and electronically, you'll be sent the link on Wednesday morning for a 7 a.m. Zoom or a noon Zoom. And we'll just join together in praying and corporately asking God to come and meet us in this time and to give us a vision together for what he has. So we hope you'll join us on Wednesday at 7 a.m. or noon for prayer through Zoom corporately. Let's take some time to just pray together as we enter into worship. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you are God who sees us, that you love us, that you care deeply about us. We thank you also that you are powerful and mighty and good, and that we can rest in knowing that you are in complete control during this time. Father, we ask that you would just make yourself especially known to us, that we would have a vision of what you're wanting to do in us and through us and around us, and that we would lean in to the work of your spirit. Father, we ask that you would help us to love you more, help us to see you more, help us to understand you more. We invite you now to come, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Let's take some time right now at the beginning of the service to center our minds and our hearts and ready ourselves to praise God. Uh, he is definitely wanting us to hear something from him this morning. So open us up, God, and Prepare us for what you have for us, and may this be a blessed time in your name. Let's sing, Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth Planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of Say 
just going to take some time to be grateful together, to engage God in gratitude, to consider all the things that he's done and is doing. No matter what we're facing into, God is good and he's doing great works around us. And we want to be people who are mindful of what he is doing and grateful for it. And gratitude helps to shape our, our perspective. It changes our mind and hearts as we think about the things around us. It helps us to focus on the giver of all good things. And it just allows us to re-engage our circumstances with a different perspective. So we're gonna actually take some time now to just express to the people in your home around you, or if you're by yourself, express aloud to God the things that you're thankful for this week. What has he been doing? What has he been up to? And how can we express our gratitude to him? So let's take a moment now. If you need to pause this video in your home, please do so. But let's just express our gratitude to one another for what God's done. Father, we want to be grateful people. Help us to be people who see your good gifts around us and are expressing those things to you regularly. Let thankfulness permeate our minds and hearts. We ask that your spirit would move in us to see your good gifts all the time and express those to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to be reading our passage this morning, which is in Ephesians 5. 15 through 21. So if you want to open your Bibles, we'll also have it on the screen. This is Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Grace. Great to be with you. And after celebrating Easter week together last week, we're going to jump back into our Holy Spirit series with this wonderful command in verse 18 to be filled with the Spirit. I want to talk about today, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to live Spirit-filled lives? And first, I want to set the context of this passage, and then we'll talk about that command. So first, the context. You see in verse 16, Paul says, Make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. So first, there's a sobering context that the days are evil. And I think Paul is just speaking generally, that we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world, and it's a tough place. And of course, for us right now, especially, we are feeling the fact that this is a broken, fallen world that we're living in. These days do feel evil, particularly through this time. And yet Paul offers a response that we should have in verse 16, which is to make the most of every opportunity. And that phrase literally in the Greek is to buy back the time. And this is a phrase that we actually talked about the first week we met online. Paul uses this very specific word for time there. The Greek word is kairos. And kairos is not uh, length of time or measured time or maybe what we would call clock time, but kairos is a quality of time. Kairos is an opportune time. It is a season that is pregnant with possibilities and specific opportunities. And we really have been living in a kairos moment, haven't we? It's a challenging time, and yet it's a, it's a time that's pregnant with all sorts of possibilities and opportunities. And so I think, you know, we're six weeks into this now. We talked about this on week one, and it's good just to kind of take a breath and step back and go, how have these six weeks been going for me? It's a challenging time, but it's also a kairos moment. How am I engaging in this kairos moment? And I think, you know, the adrenaline of the first couple weeks is worn down. And now we're just kind of into the grind of these weeks that pile on top of each other. And so it's a good moment to go, how am I doing this? What am I doing with this time? And Paul invites us into two basic postures to take advantage of the time. Uh, the first I'm just going to mention, he invites us into wise living through challenging times. Look at verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. These are days, Paul's saying, that require wisdom and discernment. And really, we need that a lot right now, don't we? Discernment on all, all sorts of issues. How do I spend this time? Where do I fix my thoughts during this time? Whose perspective do I seek out during this time? That requires wisdom. 
And then the other posture that Paul invites us into that we're, we're going to focus this morning is he invites us into spirit-filled living. Again, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what I want to do is I want to make one observation about that command, and then I want to talk specifically of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. So first, here's the the observation that I, I had this week. It's interesting to me that Paul is writing this command to a church, meaning to a group of Christians. He's telling Christians who already have the Spirit to be filled with the Spirit. And that's an interesting dynamic. And it's clear in Paul's writings that he believes if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, you already have the Spirit. He resides in you permanently. He reminds the Ephesians of this in chapter 1. He says, when you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Spirit. So we already have the Spirit. And yet there are these regular commands like this one in Scripture to Christians to be filled with the Spirit, or to keep in step with the Spirit, or to to walk in the Spirit. And there's regular stories in the New Testament of Christians who already have the Spirit being filled in a particular moment with the Spirit, and the Spirit then leads them to do something. Sometimes they're led to witness courageously for Jesus, or sometimes they're moved towards prayer and worship. Sometimes they're moved towards sacrificial generosity. And so you hold those things together, and it seems to me what Paul's inviting us into as a particular quality of relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, a certain kind of dependence and surrender and cooperation with the Spirit that can actually be more or less depending on how we navigate our lives. I think there's a difference between simply being a Christian who happens to have the Spirit and actually living a Spirit-filled life. And Paul's inviting us into that second quality of spirit-filled living. And I actually think in verse 18, his parallel to wine is a helpful one. He says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the spirit. You think about when someone's had too much to drink, what do we say? We say he is under the influence of alcohol or she is under the influence. And so Paul's inviting us to consider whose influence are you under? Who? Who are you going to? Where are you going in life at this time? And I, I think, you know, that's, that's a great question through this season. What are we giving ourselves over to during this time? And I think a lot of people give themselves over to various things just to make it through these days that we're living. Some people do give themselves over to more drink or to more food or to more entertainment or to more distraction to try to cope and deal with the realities we're facing. And Paul's invitation is give yourself more and more over to the Spirit of God. Let Him be the one who influences you. And so that's the command. Be filled with the Spirit. Be under the influence of the Spirit. And now what I want to do, I want to just talk about what does that actually mean practically? Like, be filled with the Spirit. I, I don't get it. Like, what does that actually look like? And what I love in this passage is Paul doesn't leave us in the dark in terms of what that looks like. He actually gives us four very concrete examples of what a Spirit-filled life looks like. And so I want to spend the rest of our time just briefly walking through these examples. So I actually want you to see this written out on your screen. 
So here's how this literally reads in the Greek. Paul has one command, which is to be filled with the Spirit, and he follows that with what we would call in grammar class four participles that articulate what Spirit-filled living looks like. So here they are, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything, and then submitting to one another for the sake of Christ. So this is what spirit-filled living looks like. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. Obviously, it's, it's representative. But I just want you to notice something about this life. These things that Paul is saying, these are pretty basic, really pretty simple actions that we can take. I mean, I don't know, for me, when I hear the phrase spirit-filled living, I'm tempted to think of something extra spiritual or higher or lofty that only a couple people might reach. But you look at these four postures, this is actually kind of the bread and butter of just good Christian living. I mean, this is just about doing the basics well. So let's walk through each of these briefly. So first, verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Paul is inviting us to consider our speech with one another, that we have speech that is encouraging, that is pointing one another to God. In Colossians, he has this great image of our speaking. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. And I love, that's a great metaphor. He's saying your speech can be like a meal that you offer to other people. And you want it to, to be a meal that leaves a good taste, an encouraging taste in their mouths. And so this is a really good time for us to ask ourselves, what is our default speech to one another? I was thinking of different default speeches that people have at different times of life. I, I remember when Carrie and I were first having our children, we were in that baby phase and we were surrounded by friends who were in that same phase. And there's kind of this, as young parents, there's this default speech that you can resort to that I found myself resorting to. There was kind of this default of just complaining about the challenges of early parenting, how the sleepless nights and all the diaper changes and, and the car seats and unbuckling and buckling 20 times a day. And you can just kind of fall into a, a negative default speech with each other. When the reality is we've just experienced this amazing blessing of new life, these beautiful, unique creatures that God has given us. It is challenging, but it's beautiful, but we can default towards a negative. Or another example, I've heard some of you in the older stages of life, you've shared with me that, that it's tempting when you get together with friends your age to default to just kind of the negatives of, of the new aches and pains that you have, uh, the, the procedures that are scheduled, and, and just the challenges of getting older. And those are all very real and valid things, but you can just kind of default to a negative. And I think especially in this season where we are on COVID lockdown and we're reading news and, and everything, it's so easy to default to the challenges and the negativity. And so in the midst of that, we can see this as a, this is a Kairos moment. This is an opportunity to point one another to God, to point one another to his goodness through this time. And, and the spirit, his work in our lives, he's always pointing us back to Jesus. He's always pointing us back to the goodness of God. And so when we're filled with him, when we're under his influence, we will have speech 
that is encouraging, that builds one another up. So that's the first one. And I'm actually going to group the next two together. Uh, Let's look at verse 19, the second half of verse 19, where Paul says, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. And then verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. I I would sum these two up to say a spirit-filled life is a life of joy and gratitude. It's a life where we are making melody in our hearts to God. And I actually like that phrase, singing in your hearts, because I think what Paul is saying is, this has nothing to do with your level of musical ability or talent. There is to be this melody of praise that underlies your life, that is going on in the background in your heart all the time. And the Spirit can bring that about in us. And then this other command, giving thanks to God always, on all occasions. I mean, the command to give thanks, that is such a regular command in Scripture. And honestly, I cannot think of better practical advice through this time than the advice to practice gratitude, to regularly give thanks. There's something so life-giving and soul-refreshing to a regular habit of thinking about all the things that we can be grateful for. And the opposite is true. There's something so life-sucking to our souls to constantly focus on the negatives and the challenges. And right now, a lot of us are being bombarded by this 24-7 news cycle of challenges, of tough things we're hearing all over the world. And the real challenge is for most of us, there's nothing we can do with that news. There's nothing actionable that we can engage in to solve that problem. So what a better posture instead. There is something we can do every day, and it is to simply give thanks to the Lord for the things that He is providing. One of my favorite poems from Wendell Berry has a line where he says, Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. And I love that. I think that's what Christian joy is. Christian joy, Christian gratitude is, is not a naive joy. It's, it's not a joy where we, you know, just close our eyes to the challenges. It's a joy that sees through the challenges, sees through the problems, to the fundamental goodness and generosity of our Lord. And I think about the most inspiring people in my life. They are all joyful, grateful people, even playful people. And that's not to say they haven't had lots of challenges. Some of them have had really hard challenges in life or they minister to people who live very challenging lives. But through all of that, they find this way to find joy and gratitude because they're with the Lord. And that is is the Spirit's role in our lives is to, to focus us on Jesus and all that He offers us and to fill our hearts with joy and with gratitude. And just one last thought on gratitude. For me especially when life is hard, there's, there's two particular categories of thanks and gratitude that are really helpful for me. One is um, to thank God for the really big things that are consistent no matter what the circumstances. So like our forgiveness, you know, we have that no matter what. There's no condemnation. Our adoption is God's children. The fact that God is with us through all our circumstances. The, the fact that God is working in everything for our ultimate good. These things that don't change with circumstances, focusing on the big spiritual blessings in Christ, I think is a really helpful way to practice gratitude. 
And then the other one for me is actually to focus on the really small things, the daily things, like, like the good taste of a cup of coffee in the morning or, or the warmth of a shower in the morning, just to sit and give thanks for that or the sound of birds out in, in the yard in the morning. Just those simple, basic, created realities. Those are really helpful. You know, when, when, we, um, when this whole thing began, uh, before we'd had to kind of leave church, on a daily basis, um, but we were hearing all this news. There was this hummingbird that made a nest in one of the atriums at Grace. And the nest was like right at eye level. And so every day we each got to go and look at this little nest and we'd see these eggs and then they hatched. And these two just tiny little hummingbirds, we get to watch them grow over a couple weeks and then fly off. And it was like this beautiful, just taste of joy and gratitude every day as the world was falling apart we were reminded of the, the simple fact of life and that there is beauty all around us. There's so much to be grateful for. And so the Spirit leads us to practice gratitude. And then finally, this last example of Spirit-filled living in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is another really common command in Scripture, that this is the posture that we're to have with one another. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2. He says, In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Or I love Romans 12:10. Take delight in honoring each other. That is such a great idea. We want to delight in honoring each other and considering each other's needs ahead of our own. And right now, in this time, the temptation is to move towards insecurity, right? We're insecure. And when we get insecure, the temptation there is to go inward and to protect our own interests, whether that be our financial interests or our, our, our space, our physical space, our comforts. But we're being invited instead to actually turn outward, to look out for one another, to consider each other. And that is really the Spirit's role, is to fill us with joy and gratitude and security so that we can actually be in a place where we're free to consider one another. And I want to, as I think about this fourth one, I want to just especially address those of you who are living in families or live with roommates where you are stuck together in a home all day long, day after day, where you are in each other's space every day. What an important commandment to remember that um, we want to we want to submit to one another. We want to honor one another. We want to remember, I am not the most important person in this house today. My needs are not necessarily the most important needs in the house today. And we want to have lots of grace for one another, lots of space and forgiveness as we just continue in each other's space over these days. So I think that's really important. All right, so there's a brief but very tangible picture of what spirit-filled living looks like. So, we are in week six of COVID lockdown. These are evil times. And this is a Kairos moment. And here's the question. Whose influence do you want to be under? And here's the invitation. Be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Hey, everyone. You know, I know for many of us, this call to be filled with the Spirit or to live by the Spirit's power 
can seem like an elusive concept, a little too mysterious for us to get a clear handle on. I know for me, over the years, I've wrestled with my understanding of what this can tangibly look like in my life. And what I like about our passage today is that it gives us some very tangible pictures of what a Spirit-filled life looks like. And so what I'd like to do with you now is just share a couple practices that I've sought to unfold into my days, rhythms that have been really helpful uh, for me. They are morning and evening practices that I use to bookend my day, a sort of inhale in the morning and an exhale in the evening. In the morning, before I get out of bed and get on with my day, I, I meet with the Lord and seek to present myself before Him, just inviting Him into the day ahead. And one way to do this could be based on the example found in, in Romans 12, where it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so this practice here then is just to simply present yourself before God, who is with you through the Holy Spirit, bringing yourself into His presence. Or as a friend of mine said it, bringing yourself into His presence knowing He is always already here. I loved that phrasing, always already here. You know, for me, as I lie in my bed in the morning, I simply start by saying, Lord, here I am, and I want to offer myself to you. What do you have for me? And I then take a few moments to imagine what the day is like in, in front of me. What are the tasks I have to do, the plans I have? Where will I be going? Uh, what will I be doing? Who are the people that I will be any, interacting with? And, and the point to the point of our passage today, you know, what might my speech be like and the spirit uh, that I might have towards the people that I'm going to be encountering, maybe in my home with my family or whatnot? Will I be an uplifting presence to those around me, even in these maybe tight, cramped quarters that many of us have to endure? Um, how can I attend to the needs around me and put their needs above my own for the sake of Christ? You know, God is so good, and, and it's so good to remind ourselves of His goodness in our lives and to count the blessings that we have from Him, count the blessings of our wife and kids and and family, and, and the roof that we have over our head, and the food we have available to us, and all of that, as our passage has to give thanks to God in everything. And we can even be thankful for Him in this disruption, that this disruption, this very thing that is causing us maybe pain and suffering of sorts, God is using to uh, just transform us and to refine us and to make us more mature. I think that when I start my day like that, it puts me in such a much better position to be mindful of His presence in my life throughout the day than if I just go charge ahead in my day without any spiritual intentionality. And then on the back end of my day, I exhale. I just take some time to retrace my steps and reflect on what happened. How did my day go? Where did I see God at work in uh, my heart and around me? I wonder what my presence was like for those around me. How did my family received me, my wife received me? Uh, was I a blessing 
or was I curse to them? And whatever the result, even if it turned out to be a total failure, I can just bring that reality before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord. Have mercy on me. And it's a great opportunity to confess to God your shortcomings and and ways you departed from his path for you. And just say, Lord, continue your gracious work in my life. And finally, I end this time by just trying to, as I said, retrace my steps through the day with a heart of gratitude. And you know, when you apply your heart towards thankfulness and you get granular about it, you will be surprised how much there is to thank God for in your day. It's just a great way to end the day. And for me, I frequently find myself falling asleep on that note, which is a really nice way to fall asleep. You know, I'm not perfect in this, and I forget to do this sometimes, or sometimes I simply cave into my my sense of urgency and impatience about my day and just charge ahead, bypassing all of this. And when I do that, I'm always poorer for it. But God's mercies are new every day. And so we begin again, knowing that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And so I encourage you to experiment with these practices. They are some of the most life-giving rhythms in my life. And I think it would be so wonderful if we as a church family began and ended our day like this. If we did, I think we would discover beautiful fruit being brought forth in our lives and in our relationships by the power of the Spirit filling us up. Grace and peace to you. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me Those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me from. The Son of God surrounds His saints. He will deliver them. He will deliver them. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt His name.
incense rise Let us bless the Lord Every day and night Never ending praise May our incense rise Let us bless the Lord Every day and night Never ending praise faithful, gracious, and we are grateful to you, Father. We're grateful for what you've done for us through Jesus that we've celebrated this last week and a half, two weeks. Um, God, you are so merciful and gracious, so we praise you this morning, and we ask your blessing in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. And so now, as we have been doing these past few weeks, we've uh, provided you some questions that our hope is that you might just spend some time with engaging, keeping this conversation going with whoever you might be with today. We want to leave you with this benediction. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. Amen.